Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Nicole BZ, and you know everything. That's it. That's all I'm doing for my intros. You want an intro? Go listen to the old videos. Today, we're going to talk about productivity. I wonder why I'm like pushing through <laughs> the, the content already. And as someone who has been going through a very um, hard personal experience, I'm currently grieving the loss of a loved one. I've been noticing my unwillingness to be unproductive or the like mindless ruminating and stressing and worrying and catastrophizing that's occurring as I am also very consciously giving myself space to heal and grieve. And if you've been through grief, you know, it's kind of like a tidal wave. It crashes over you at the un most unexpected times. And there's just not a lot you can do when it hits you, right? So, it had me thinking and really wondering, why am I obsessed with productivity? I've known this moment was coming. I've created space. I've, I've built out businesses and structures and support so that I can take time. I also know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if energetically I'm not in it, uh, I can't win it. Like There's no point in doing something when I'm feeling at half-mast, right? And yet... As someone who preaches this, as someone who teaches this, as someone who guides people through this, I find myself continually going back to, well, I didn't do enough today. I didn't get enough done. Even if I got everything on my priority list, which is only usually a handful of things, right? Like two or three done, and I'm able to kind of get the bare minimum over the line, why am I still beating myself up? Why am I still continually going back to my to-do list or the projects list or my project management software and going, well, far out, there are so many unticked items. We have put an emphasis on productivity for a lot of reasons. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm going to firstly just talk about like, what is productivity? And I think the definition might surprise you, not because you don't know what productivity is, but because of the... <laughs> who set the metric and why. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about how productivity can show up. The fact that it's essentially an addiction. And just like in a 12-step process, there are definitely things you can do to break that pattern. But you are a very unique individual. You were watching this for your very specific purposes. And so my my, the whole reason I create all of this is to enable you to discover what works best for you because it's not what's going to work best for me. It's not going to work best. It's not the magic system or the silver bullet that somebody's selling you that they guarantee works 100% of the time or your money back and just put it all on your credit card because it's a ridiculous amount of money for success and yada, 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 right? So stick around through the end because that is when I am going to give you some resonant takeaways. I promise you something will land. You get to be the judge of that. You get to feel what I say. It's a vibration. The words and sounds are vibrations, right? And some of it's going to land. Some of it's just going to go right past you. The stuff that goes past you, leave it. The stuff that lands, there might be something in it for you. So with that, let's get into what is productivity. It is defined simply as an economic measure of output per unit of input. If that doesn't ring alarm bells for you, my friends, let's dig a little deeper. Because firstly, it's an economic measure, okay? So it is purely based on 
the value exchange, the effort input versus reward output. Secondly, (laughs) and I'm, I'm repeating myself here, it is an economic measure. Therefore, it comes from outside of yourself. It has never really been up to you what productivity looks like or what is deemed as successful. And the reason it was created was to simply measure, are you of value to the organization, the corporation, the man, the system? The business dictionary describes it as the degree to which objectives are achieved and the extent to which targeted problems are solved. Effectiveness means doing the right thing. I prefer that definition, and no surprise, it's from the business dictionary, because that starts to really measure how it influences yourself. The degree to which targeted problems are solved. I like that. I you know me, I I don't think there are problems or challenges. There are only opportunities. There's a couple of YouTube videos ago where I think I said opportunities like 18 different times. (laughs) If you count that up and get back to me, I will send you a fun reward. So the productivity paradox, which I thought was a super fun name to this particular podcast is actually a thing. Uh, I have my own definition of productivity paradox, which I'll share at the end, but The productivity paradox is also known as the Solow paradox, and it is a phenomenon where despite significant investments in information technology, there has not been a corresponding increase in productivity growth. So I'm sure you've heard that old adage, like uh, some brilliant person, much more uh, well-known than I, said that with the advance of computers and technology, the biggest challenge humans will have is what to do with all of their free time. And the opposite has occurred. The paradox is, is that despite the fact we have endless, and I mean, with the introduction of AI, this is like exponentially expanding, but we have so much access to information. We have so much access to speed and power and 24-7 global cycles, but yet we are busier than we've ever been. To become wealthier A country needs strong growth and productivity. And higher productivity means the expectation of rising wages and abundant job opportunities. But we all know the paradox in that, don't we, my (laughs) friends? We've been expected to work a thousand times harder, but we're not exactly getting paid a thousand times more, nor are things becoming a thousand times more affordable. And that's definitely not across the board. There are certain commodities and certain products uh, that have become wildly available. Uh, There has definitely been wage increases. However, when you think about how much more work is expected from a human being, and not just like in the nine to five at your job, but when you think about your community involvement, your family involvement, the maintenance of relationships and communication and updating the schedules you're meant to keep, managing family life, personal life, health life, spiritual life, like it's kind of impossible. And that's where the overwhelm can creep in. That's where it can start to really feel like, despite my input, I am not yielding the output that I desire. No matter how hard I work, I'm still not getting what I want. This gets much more complicated because established economies, um, growing economies, different parts of the world, they are part of the input as opposed to receiving the benefits of the output, right? And so... There, there are whole theories, there are whole modules in um, MBA programs that really talk about the sort of throughput, output, cost world paradigm. 
I'm not going to get into that today because ultimately we're just talking about our obsession with productivity, right? You and me. So I think the productivity and our obsession with it is due to a few things and largely the societal pressure to perform, right? To constantly achieve and succeed. And I think that compounds with this idea that it was ultimately a metric based on our jobs. And we've been told that if we work harder, we'll succeed more. And then we can buy like the same car as our neighbor or like a big house is going to make us happier. So there, there's there's a lot of like layered messaging and cultural implications in terms of success. Because obviously, if you want to be a more powerful community, nation state, country, culture, if you emphasize success and the evidence, the demonstratives of success, which we have defined as like nice house, big car, fancy shit, like whatever, um, even like brands are associated with success, right? So when that becomes the metric and then the equation is more time, more effort equals success, of course, we're going to double down on productivity. And I think the reason is because we're led to believe that this is where our fulfillment will come from. This is where our sense of accomplishment lays, is in these demonstrative, like what has been prescribed as the evidence of success because ultimately all we want is to be happy, to feel safe and secure. And so we've been led to believe that all of these different factors influence our safety, security, and happiness. And and I'm not saying that's untrue. However, I think the paradox is that we continue to work harder and harder and harder, yet we are not experiencing drastic increases in happiness or security, or fulfillment. So (laughs) there's actually quite a few paradoxes in this because what happens is when we double down on productivity and we become obsessed with it and all of our time is put into working, this decreases our creativity, our motivation, and our satisfaction because we're not living life. And and then (laughs) what happens is as a society, we start to devalue those experiences, creativity, satisfaction, motivation, right? Like, why is everybody anti-woo? Why do I still talk about it as woo? Someone even pointed out to me, just by describing it as woo, you are degrading it. And ultimately, all we mean by woo is mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, however you want to define those. For some people, it's all the same thing. For others, it's very, very different spaces with different investment, different practices, different behaviors, right? So we start to devalue creativity, energy, satisfaction, and then we start to dismiss the activities that yield that, which is ultimately free time, taking time for yourself, being selfish, indulging in things that have no monetary return, like play or art. (laughs) And so now we have this culture that only values overwork where there is no work-life balance. And now 50%, I just, uh, my partner read a headline to me today that something like 55% of people are quiet quitting, which is costing the United States $1.3 trillion, which just so happens to be the like make-believe debt ceiling. And I was like, I mean, those stats sound ridiculous to me, but he pointed out, he, it was another adage of, uh, well, 50% of the people are doing 100% of the work. So you could probably get away with 50% of the people not working. But like, 
who wants to quiet quit? Because to me, that, that means I am investing potentially eight hours of my day, a third of my life into existing with no purpose, no inspiration. There's a big difference in going to work and getting what is expected of you done in exchange for a paycheck. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about knowingly, purposefully turning off for a third of your experience. The other third, you're sleeping, my friend. So especially if you're quiet quitting, because you're probably not too worried about any different story. So obviously this is going to affect the economy very negatively. If you're not engaged, how can you progress? Like that, I mean, and when we talk about like energetic investment and getting really clear on what it is you want, how you're going to feel when you achieve it, if you're knowingly engaging in something and practicing that apathy, that um, discontent, malcontent, depression, like, I don't know what you think you're creating. I'm going to suggest it's more of that. But of course, the next paradox is, well, then how do we achieve this balance of productivity and personal well-being? You have to invest in all of the things that society has been saying are of no value for a long time. Self-care, space, taking breaks, setting realistic goals. And I get to talk with my people a lot about the goals that we've been told we should achieve. And there's so many challenges with that. But people, I don't want to say they're selling snake oil, but time is a construct. It is also highly wrapped up in this concept of productivity. And when we set impossible goals, we, we defeat ourselves before we've even started. I would much prefer you set the easiest and most obvious goal so that you can build confidence in achieving goals. That's actually how you set and hit bigger, better, more intimidating goals. That's how you build resilience. That's not me. That's goal setting theory. So society can shift away from focus as a sole pressure pressure, as a sole measure of success and actually start to value leisure time so that when you want to take a vacation or you need to take a mental health day, rather than people being like, oh, that sounds nice. Oh, lucky for you. I wish I had that. They could say, fantastic. That's amazing. Anything I can do to support you while you're away? You know, as as I work with leaders who are implementing flexible and hybrid work scenarios, That means someone might not be able to show up on a Thursday or Friday because they're not feeling it. But that gives them the freedom to show up when they do. And that might look like a Saturday or Sunday. We stop micromanaging people because we don't trust them. And we start empowering people to do the best work they can the way they do their best work, which might look very different than you. That's okay. That to me is diversity and inclusion, but (laughs) I digress. So yeah, setting realistic goals, taking breaks, prioritizing self-care, understanding your own definition of success. I've, I've done a lot of podcasts about what is your definition of success. I ask and start a lot of conversations with how will we know we've been successful at the end of this? If you can get clarity on that, it will shift your relationship to productivity. So, okay, let's get to brass tacks, right? BZ, um, you're saying to me, well, how do I get more productive? I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm constantly exhausted. I'm not inspired. And believe me, my friend, I get it. I find myself in those experiences, even though I've created businesses where I'm in charge, I get to make my own rules. Uh, It's only up to me, the output and the throughput, right? And yet still, there are absolutely moments when I am totally overwhelmed and burnt out. 
So, I mean, I'm not even going to get into the just like take a break, take a nap, energy stacking activities, so on and so forth. There are other podcasts for that. I want to give you some new stuff here. So let's talk about, uh, I've, I've, I've kind of walked people through this model before, but it's called like, I call it the productivity matrix. I think I discovered it in the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey in like the nineties. I've seen it reiterated over and over and over again. Most of the time people just give it a different name and then pretend like it's their own intellectual property. But the point being, you really want to get a handle on what it is you do why you're doing it and how you feel about it. So it can be as simple as just a to-do list with a need versus want. Like, is this, is this truly moving the needle? Do I have to get this done or a want? Like this is a project I'm putting on the long-term list, or I like to call it the squirrel cage. Then I'll just go through and go plus or minus. Plus, does this light me up? Minus, does this drain my energy? Now, if it's a minus need, it's got to get done. So then how do we figure that out? If it's a plus want, that's something that's really fun, really rewarding, not necessarily that important. Doesn't mean we're not going to focus on it, but maybe it goes into more of like a leisure-oriented activity. So that's one way of looking at it. The productivity matrix is um, very, very similar in the sense of, is this urgent? Does this have to happen? Can someone else do this? Or is this only for me? And then you kind of move activities into that uh, matrix. This is in the anti-business school in the time master uh, modules. So if you want, you can check that out. That program is, is available. Uh, I go through different um, timeframes in terms of launching it, taking it offline. Uh, it's at full price. It's at a discount. So just go to NicoleBZ.com to check that out or pop into the Discord container. The link is below at me. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Um, I'm happy to actually share resources in there. So uh, that's a free way to access it. Anywho, getting really clear on like, what is your, you've heard this a million times, zone of genius. And that's not just like, what are you amazing at? But also like, what are you really good at? I might even argue that that is your zone of genius. The things that feel almost effortless for you. Where do you shine? When you can really focus most of your activities on that. I'm going to do another podcast on um, the 80-20 principle where 20% of your input yields 80% of your output. If 20% of the time, that's not a lot. That's one fifth of your time. That's two, not even two, it's an hour and a half out of your day. You're focusing on those activities that only you can do and or you are truly amazing at. It will change everything in terms of your results. It'll change the way you feel, which will then change the way you act, which will then change what you can achieve. And you don't have to do anything differently. It's just really shifting. Like, where am I investing myself most into? Something I've been thinking a lot about is also what happens upriver. There are days where I get a month's worth of work done. Why? Those days typically follow a break where I have given myself time to be outside, to move my body, to sleep, to read, to do all of the things, my energy stacking activities. I connect with my friends. I go out with my partner. We explore something new. I chill with my dog. Like when, when I get the space to do that and not when I get, when I give myself, when I carve out that time, <laughs> when I hold up those boundaries, <laughs> what happens after that is usually enough work that I don't have to even think about how productive can I be? What happens upriver for you is going to be a little different. And I say what happens upriver because we talk about flow a lot, right? What are the things that you do 
that allow you down the river to flow. Uh, we can think about those like energy stocking activities. I think of energy stocking activities more as the things I need to do to shift my energy in the moment. When I am conscious that I feel like overwhelmed and burnt out and uncreative, and I'm about to go in a meeting to discuss our Q3 plans. That is an energy dissonance. That's not going to work. So that's when I employ energy stocking activities is so that I can move myself up the energetic ladder. Don't know what I'm talking about. Listen to the series on energy leadership or everything I've said ever. (laughs) Okay. So with that, um, really start to notice what happens upriver, what sets you up for success. Andrew Huberman is someone who I've been like obsessing over recently and he talks a lot about this, you know, wake up at the same time every day, go to sleep at the same time every day, get X amount of hours that support you. Go look at the sun, not directly, but in, you know, early in the morning, get those like photons into the back of your eyeballs, move your body. Uh, I think it's like 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up or like the intermittent fasting, but like, uh, and then do, you know, the hard things first, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's your number one priority or the things that you avoid most in your day. If in the first few hours of your potentially 16 hour day, if you can knock those items out, like you will be in flow. And that, so that's looking at your day as a uh, down the river. But like you can think about it like your week, your month, your quarter, however you want. What happens upriver? And then I guess, you know, I oscillate. I'm a big picture thinker. So this is going to be an anecdote for how I set myself up for success. I have a running list of short-term items. Those are not necessarily things that are super important. Um, I got a lot of this from getting things done. I want to say by David Allen. This was like a productivity, you know, one of the original like success hackers. And this was like in the 2000s. But looking at your activities of like, what will take me five minutes or less? What will take me an hour or less? What is something that I'm going to really chip away at? I don't really procrastinate. That energy makes me super fucking uncomfortable. I have to like chip away at things, but I don't have a lot of attention for things that I don't want to do. So I've learned how to kind of juggle my activities and my day so that I've got a list of like very present short-term activities that need to be completed probably by the end of the week. Then I have like medium activities. These are some of the things that probably take an hour to two that need to be completed before the end of the month. And then I have my big long-term things and I actually chip away at those. And so I will check in with myself and go, what do I really feel like doing? I'm really avoiding that. Let's trick myself into doing it. You get a coffee at the end of it, whatever it is. Like, And I kind of move through my day oscillating between short-term, medium-term, and long-term projects. That allows me, because productivity, and as much as I don't want productivity to be a success measure, I do want to feel like, I achieved something today. Now, sometimes that means I only did one thing. And in the last few months, sometimes that was like sitting on the couch back here, watching the snowfall and crying so that I could get that grief through my system. And it's gone from eight hours to like random 10 minutes spurts, right? And not that that means I've been successful with that. But what I am trying to say is sometimes the most productive thing you can be is like unproductive. But when you're consciously choosing that, when that's actually part of your plan, you will achieve that feeling of success and fulfillment and motivation and happiness, which is ultimately why we are pushing ourselves to be as productive as we possibly can. So what is all of this to say? You get to choose your thoughts. Your thoughts are not facts. 
thoughts. Your feelings are simply your energetic read on the situation. So if you're telling yourself you're a fucking loser and you feel like a fucking loser, that's really powerful information. You get to choose if you believe that or not. You get to choose if you, if you take, if you answer one more email, you get to choose if you put, do one more episode or write one more blog. You get to choose if you take that extra, that last minute meeting or that last minute call at the end of the day. You get to choose if you say yes to the project management thing or the request to be on the committee. You get to choose. And if it doesn't feel like that, that's what I would qualify as level one to. There are always multiple choices. You're stuck in the binary. Give your, just take a beat. Whatever, whatever that looks like for you. It's not for me to tell you what to do or how to do it. All I'm trying to do is give you some context to understand what's happening and why. At level one, two, we're feeling helpless and like we want some control. So give yourself that. It cannot happen externally. You choose the thoughts, the feelings, and you work in a very unique way. The way you set yourself up for success, the activities that turn you on and light you up that feel really easy, your zone of genius, the reason you're creating potential urgency or you feel like you have to, all of that is incredibly uniquely special for you. And so when you understand how you work best, you might not be a morning person. I was never a morning person. <laughs> um, but you know what else? I'm not a work late person. <laughs> so I like... What I've realized is when I give myself the space to wake up, I, I call it snooze or cruise. My day is fucking cruisy. And ultimately, that's my definition of success. Was this easy or not? That's me. I've only learned that by experimenting and testing and hypothesizing and implementing and seeing how I feel and so on and so forth. Accept you for who you are. If you hate bookkeeping, I just got off the phone with a client who for the last four years we've been working with each other, She's never on top of her invoices. Hire a fucking bookkeeper. <laughs> and like, you know, why, why, why then create a system where it's, it's continually putting you into a position you don't want to be in? Maybe there's some martyrdom in there. Maybe there is some sense of need and purpose in there. We'll figure that out. We continually workshop it, right? I talk a lot about creating your dream reality you are the star of that show. And so if you're creating a scenario that doesn't honor who you are and how you work, the good and the bad, the dark and the light, the embarrassing and the show-stopping, like, why would you want to be in that movie? So I completely believe we can have everything we want, but not like all at this exact moment. Because like, I can't be on the island drinking the uh, giant oversized margarita whilst also skiing steamboat and having a team meeting with this amazing supportive group that like intuitively know what needs to happen next where we're creating like life-changing products and services and also like hanging out with my best friend while traveling through like you, you get what I'm saying, right? The, the, I have a lot of wants and dreams. I want multiple properties. I want to create self-sustaining, like living situations for people that are on a blockchain network that are able like, there's so much that I want. And I couldn't possibly be doing any of that all at the exact same time. That's not the point. I want to be able to enjoy every single one of those things. And I can really only do one of those things at the time, right? We can only do one thing at a time. We can only really truly be present for one thing at a time. So. Uh, <laughs> 
It's funny. My tattooist used to joke and um, tell me that my ideas for tats were like an acid trip, like super fucking cool, but also like not for one design. (laughs) And now I have lots of tattoos. That's kind of what I'm saying. If you dream it, if you want it, you can have it. And so then start with how you work best. Who are you in this moment? How can you honor that, grow that, evolve it, expand it? Once you figure that process out, you can double down. You can rinse, wash, repeat. I like to think of it as the franchise mentality because you will, as your game gets bigger and bigger, as your game board gets bigger, as your bets get bigger, it demands more of you. And if the metric is more now again, it's a fun book by Elizabeth Wurzel, but if you're just constantly working, when will you ever have the opportunity to enjoy everything you created, let alone the space to dream into the dream after the dream. I have a lot more to say about that, but I think I'm going to stop there. That was, that was a lot. Um, so, you know, what's the BZ conundrum here? What's the ultimate productivity paradox? If you're too busy, you won't have the space for it all. And the whole reason you're watching this, the whole reason you're here, the whole reason you're contemplating this paradox, productivity paradox is how to break that pattern so that you can be as successful as you want to be and enjoy the fruits of your labors. Have the cake and eat it too, my friend. So with that, please find me in the Discord container. The link is below. It is free. It is where I share all of the latest and greatest happenings. You can also go to NicoleBZ.com to find that. You can get on the loop. That is the monthly newsletter. That's where I share the things that I'm currently obsessing over. Did I say monthly? It's been, well, it hasn't even been monthly recently, if I'm being honest, but I oscillate between like weekly and monthly. Um, Maybe you can have a choice. I don't know. We'll see. The loop, the container, my website, You're here, so I don't need to tell you about that. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I certainly wouldn't be here without you. I do this for you. Now I'm looking how to stop. I should probably stop talking and then I can stop recording. So I'm going to do that. Thank you. I love you. Bye. 